We are continuing our discussion on the doctrine of Christ. This is one of the fundamental points of divide between Islam and Christianity. Who is Jesus Christ? This has been a central question in human history ever since the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago. Jesus himself was interested in knowing people's response to this question. Matthew 16, verse 15, who do you say that I am? 600 years after Christ, the Quran, the holy book of Islam, which Muslims believe came to Prophet Muhammad through direct revelation, formulated its own response to this question. So what is the Quranic portrayal of Christ? Before we start talking about how, what the Quran says about Christ, we need to again remind ourselves of the Quranic view of prophethood and the situation of humanity. If you remember from our previous discussions, we said that Islam does not believe in an original sin or in a fall of man. Sin is not a part of human nature. Human beings are not essentially evil, but they are basically good, created in innocence. But we also said that the Quran says that although, uh, according to Islamic theology, although people are not essentially sinful, they are weak, they are forgetful. Human beings have a tendency to constantly go astray from the straight path. Therefore, God has sent prophets throughout humanity to all people groups. And all these prophets have basically brought the same message from one God. And then Jesus is one of these prophets. Now, let's look at what the Quran says about this prophet Jesus. According to the Quran, Jesus, which, who is named Esau in the Quran, was no more than a human being who was chosen by God for a mission. He was chosen by God as a prophet, especially uh, for the nation of Israel. But it's interesting that despite the emphasis of the Quran on the humanity of Jesus, the Quran describes Jesus as a very unique person. Jesus is mentioned in 15 surahs or chapters of the Quran. Three of the surahs are named in references to Jesus. And there are 93 verses of the Quran that mention Jesus in them. The Quran gives a, a, a number of very honorary titles to Jesus. Jesus is called the Word from God, the Spirit of God. That's in Surah 4, verses 169 to 171. The Quran calls Jesus the speech of truth in Surah 19. The Quran calls Jesus a sign unto men and mercy from God in Surah 19, verse 21. These are titles that hardly any other prophet in the Quran ever gets. The Quran affirms the virgin birth of Christ in Surah 19. The Quran talks about Jesus having the power to heal, including raising people from the dead. I am going to go through a list of all the you know, key verses in the Quran that talk about various aspects of Christ. The Quran talks about Jesus speaking from the moment of birth from his cradle. The Quran talks about Jesus creating uh, birds out of clay. So the Quran just says some very unique things about Christ that it doesn't even say about Prophet Muhammad. Let me give you a, a list of the various references in the Quran. We have to basically just highlight the, the references and um, go through them rather quickly. Jesus uh, also, by the way, all, is often referred to in the Quran as the Messiah. So the Quran acknowledges that Jesus was the Christ. So he was, Jesus was born of Virgin Mary, Surah 3, verse 45. 
and Surah 19, verses 16 to 35. But like Adam, Jesus was created directly by God. Surah 3, verse 59. Surah 4, verse 172. Jesus was a sign from God. Surah 23, verse 50. Jesus was a word and a spirit from God. Um, Surah 3, verse 45, and Surah 4, verse 171. Jesus was given proofs by God, and he was supported by the Spirit. Surah 2, verse 87, Surah 43, verse 63. Jesus performed miracles. Surah 3, verse 49, Surah 5, verse 110. He received the same teaching as other prophets. I won't give you all the references, but just a couple, for example. Surah 2, verse 136. Surah 3, verse 84. Jesus taught about another messenger coming after him by the name of Ahmad. Surah 61, verse 6. And then God took Jesus to himself. Surah 3, verse 55. Surah 4, verse 158. Jesus was a messenger of God. Uh, the, the word I'm talking about is the Arabic, Arabic, Arabic word Rasul, and he was also called a Nabi, a prophet. Surah 4, verse 171, Surah 19, verse 30. And the reference to him talking from the cradle is Surah 19, verses 30 to 33. And the reference to him, Jesus creating a birds out of a clay, Surah 3, verse 49. The Quran says many beautiful things about Jesus. In fact, uh, I really want you to understand that Muslims are perplexed about the Christian problem with Muslims because they say, we believe all the great truths about Jesus. Why don't you Christians, if we accept Jesus, why don't you Christians accept Prophet Muhammad? I really want you to know that in the mind of an average Muslim, they already honor Christ the way God wants us to honor Christ. So, uh, and let me make a parenthetical comment here too. Many Christians look at these references in the Quran about Jesus, and they say, and they try to use the Quran as a bridge to talk to people about Christ. The Quran talks about Jesus as a word from God, a spirit from God. And oftentimes we immediately start thinking about the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and try to make that connection between the Quran and the Bible. But I believe that that is not a right thing to do for us as Christians. I believe that we are using the Quran, we are interpreting the Quran dishonestly. We should allow the Quran to speak for itself. So because the Quran says Jesus is a word from God, it doesn't mean John 1.1. 1, 1. The Quran defines what it means by that title. The Quran says the likeness of Jesus is that, like that of Adam. God said be and he was. Jesus was created directly by the divine command. And that's what Islam understands about that title. So I believe we should not put our own Christian meaning into the Quranic text. However, having said that, let me also say something else. Many Muslims have come to Christ by reading the Quran and the Quranic descriptions of Jesus. Because many Muslims say, how come the Quran says all these incredible things about Christ and it doesn't say it about any other prophet? How, how come... Uh, everything about Jesus is unique. Quran is, uh, the, the, Jesus is born of a virgin. 
does incredible miracles that no other prophet in the Quran does. And then he's, at the end of his life, he's taken up to be with God like no other prophet. And so these questions have led many Muslims on the path of discovering Christ in their lives. We can rejoice that God uses any means to bring people to faith, but I still believe we should be honest about interpreting texts and not impose our own meaning on particular texts. Let's talk about what the Quran says about the life and mission of Christ. Like all other prophets, Jesus was sent by God for a particular mission. But the Quran says very little about why did Jesus come and what did he do? Kenneth Cragg, the um, scholar of Islam from England, makes this observation about Islam. This observation about the Quranic portrait of Christ, I should say. It says, the immediate impression on the general reader from what the Quran has to tell him about Jesus is its brevity. The, the story of Jesus' life is almost non-existent in the Quran. Out of the, uh, Craig says, within the limits of some 90 verses in the Quran about Jesus, 64 of them belong to the story of Jesus' birth. That leaves about 26 verses about the rest of Christ's life and mission. And Craig goes on to say, it has often been observed that the New Testament Gospels are really passion narratives with extended introduction. Passion narratives are this, the, the accounts of Jesus' death and crucifixion. New Testament scholars say, when you look at the Gospels, a big percentage of them are just about the last few days of Jesus' life. So that, that, it's obvious that that's a, very key, that's a central part of the Gospels' message. So, the Gospels are about the death of Jesus with an extended introduction. And Craig goes on to say, in, in opposite to the Gospels, it could well be said that the Jesus cycle in the Quran is about his birth and with a little conclusion. Now, in addition to the Quranic version of the virgin birth, we are told that part of Jesus' mission was this. He invited people to worship one God. He permitted the Jews to do certain things that were, for, that were forbidden by the law. And then he performed many miracles for his disciples and the people around him. And then in addition to that, he prophesied the coming of another prophet after him. Surah 61, verse 6. And remember Jesus, the son of Mary, said, O children of Israel, I am the apostle of God sent to you, confirming the law which came before me, and giving glad tidings of an apostle to come after me, whose name shall be Ahmad. So we see that how the Quran uses Jesus as a pointer to Muhammad. When I tell Muslims that, um, when Muslims ask me, why don't you accept Muhammad since we accept so much about Christ, I, I give them an example. Because Islam says a lot of beautiful things about Jesus. He was all these great things and with great titles and did great miracles. But there are just two things that does Islam, the Quran doesn't accept about Jesus. Just two little things. He was not God and he didn't die on the cross. But it accepts everything else. So why don't you accept Prophet Muhammad? I say, well, would you be happy if I said I accept Prophet Muhammad? I accept him as a good father, good husband, a great military warrior, a great administrator, a social reformer. I just don't believe he was a prophet and he received messages from God. Would you be okay with my acceptance of Prophet Muhammad? 
to deny the deity of Christ and view him as only an apostle and to deny his crucifixion is to deny everything about Christ. Let's look at an extended passage in the Quran, Surah 5. In my Yusuf Ali version, uh, I will start reading from verse 75, but in other Qurans, the verses might be a bit different. I get, when I talk about the Quranic portrait of Christ, this is the passage I immediately go to. It doesn't matter how many beautiful titles are given to Jesus in the Quran. This is the heart of the Quranic pronouncement on Christ. Surah 5, verse 75, they do blaspheme who say God is Christ, the son of Mary. But said Christ, O children of Israel, worship God, my Lord and your Lord. Whoever joins other gods with God, God will forbid him the garden and the fire will be his abode. There will for the wrongdoers be no one to help. And then in verse 78, this is what we read. Christ, the son of Mary, was no more than an apostle. Many were the apostles that passed away before him. His mother was a woman of truth. They had both to eat their daily food. See how God makes his signs clear to them, yet see in what ways they are deluded away from the truth. In no uncertain terms, the Quran denies the deity of Christ. Let's continue on other aspects of the Quranic portrait of Christ, the death of Christ in the Quran. The end of Jesus' life and mission has been a point of great controversy between Islam and Christianity. According to the Quranic testimony, Jews and Christians are mistaken in their belief that Jesus was killed on the cross. This is another key passage in the Quran about Christ I want you to know. Surah 4, verse 157 and 158. And again, we might be a little bit difference in numbers here. This is the key verse in the Quran about the death of Christ. That they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of God. But they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear to them, and those who differ therein are full of doubts, with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow, for of a surety they killed him not. Nay, God raised him up unto himself, and God is exalted in power and wise. Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross is an illusion. It's because of this passage that Muslims throughout history have believed that it wasn't Jesus who died on the cross, but somebody else died in the place of Jesus. Because the Quran says it, it was made to appear that he died on the cross. So Muslim commentators have come up with various theories of what happened on the cross. Some propose the idea that when Jesus was arrested, it was dark, it was chaotic. They didn't know who to grab and somebody was grabbed by mistake. Some believe that one of the disciples actually volunteered to die in his place so the master could escape and go free. Some say that God, in order to punish Judas for betraying Jesus, put the likeness of Jesus on Judas, and it was Judas who was mistakenly grabbed and crucified. Now, it might be very difficult for non-Muslims to understand why on earth does the Quran deny such a historical event? But this, the Quranic account, 
fits within the Quranic framework of prophethood. This is what Sir Norman Anderson writes in his book, Islam in the Modern World. The rationale for denying the crucifixion in the Quran is this. The Quran regularly reports that earlier prophets had at first encountered resistance, unbelief, antagonism, and persecution. But finally, the prophets had been vindicated and their opponents put to shame. God had intervened on the behalf of the prophets and rescued the prophets. So Jesus, accepted in the Quran as one of the greatest prophets, could not have been left to his enemies like this. Instead, God must have intervened and frustrated the evil purpose of the enemies of his prophet. If Messiah had been allowed to die in this cruel and shameful way, then God himself must have failed, which was an impossible thought. So God must be victorious against his enemies and would not have allowed such a shameful defeat for his great prophet. And then, this is not in the Quran, but in Islamic traditions, there is a great deal of uh, accounts of Jesus uh, coming back on the Day of Judgment, before the Day of Judgment. So in a sense, there is an Islamic version of the second coming of Christ. But as we said in earlier sessions, for Christians, that should not be a very exciting thing. Because when Jesus comes back, according to Islamic tradition, he will destroy the crosses, he will establish true Islam on earth, and then he will die and be buried next to Prophet Muhammad before the final resurrection of mankind. Kenneth Cragg has also an insightful comment about the Islamic rejection of the cross. I want you to pay attention and write it, write it down. It's a very important comment. Cragg has observed that in Islam, there is the historical denial of the actuality of the cross, the moral refusal of the possibility of the cross, and the doctrinal rejection of the necessity of the cross. I will repeat it and I will explain what he means by that. There is the historical denial of the actuality of the cross, the moral refusal of the possibility of the cross, and the doctrinal rejection of the necessity of the cross. What does he mean by that? The Quran denies the historicity of the event of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It did not happen. Now, for us, we might say, well, the Quran comes 600 years after Christ, so how could we, it, how could we rely on the Quranic testimony? Muslims will say, God is telling us in the Quran what happened, and it doesn't matter when the book has been revealed, it's God's testimony that counts. So the Quran denies the historicity of the crucifixion. But there is also the moral refusal of its possibility. And that relates to the comment we read from Sir Norman Anderson, that God could not allow such a shameful death on his great prophet. The Quranic themes of prophets is that the great prophets of God are victorious against the enemies of God. Again, the same way that Muhammad was victorious against his enemies. You see the themes of Muhammad's life constantly repeated in the lives of other prophets throughout history, according to the Quran. So, morally, God could not allow such a thing. And then the doctrinal rejection of the necessity of the cross means this. There was no need for Jesus atoning for our sins on the cross. Because, remember from the previous sessions, we are not sinners in need of 
salvation by sacrifice or atonement. We are saved by our own faith and good works. Our sins cannot be transferred to anyone else. Everybody is responsible to work for their own salvation. So that's why the Quran and Islamic theology deny the death of Christ. And that's why they deny the deity of Christ. It does not fit at all within the Islamic theology. How do we respond as Christians to this Islamic challenge? This will be the topic of our next session. We will start looking at the Christian defense of the death of Christ and the Christian defense of the deity of Christ. But some ways that we should not respond to this is, like, is, is the following. And unfortunately, in some mission circles, these, these responses are becoming more popular, these responses that I believe we should not engage in. Some Christians say, no, 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 uh, you are misunderstanding the Koran. Uh, the Koran doesn't deny the cross of Jesus. The Koran denies that Jews crucified Jesus. If you look at that verse again, Surah 4, in the beginning of Surah 4, verse 157, it says that they, they meaning Jews, that they said in boast, we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of God, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. So some Christians say, no, the Koran is only denying that Jesus uh, was crucified by Jews and Jews were victorious against Jesus' mission in, by, in their crucifixion of Christ. There are uh, three other verses in the Quran that refer to Jesus' death or Jesus being taken up. And some have seen in those references, uh, in, those, in those verses, a reference to the fact that, no, the Quran says Jesus died. But I believe that the Quran clearly, den the Quran clearly denies the crucifixion of Christ and Muslims throughout their history have interpreted those other verses in the Quran to the time when Jesus will come back and die, again, die at the end of time. There are other things we also should not do as Christians. Some Christians say, no, the Quran doesn't deny the deity of Christ. The Quran is denouncing a false Christology. Because in like Surah 5, verse 75 that we looked at earlier, it says, they do blaspheme who say God is Christ, the son of Mary. Or like the next verse that says, they do blaspheme who say God is one of three in a trinity. So some Christians say, this is not what we say. We don't say God is Christ. And we don't say God is one of three in a trinity. So properly speaking, the Quran doesn't deny Christian doctrines. The Quran denies Christian heresies. And so uh, we can use the Quran and it's a, it, we can use the Quran as a bridge to witness to Muslims. And there is really no fundamental disagreement between the Quranic picture of Jesus and the Bible. I just, as I said earlier, I just believe this is not an honest way of reading the Quran. This is not how Muslims have understood these passages in 1400 years. And the rest of the Quranic verses are very, very clear about who Jesus is, what his mission was, and what he did. So again, despite many superficial similarities about the titles of Jesus in the Quran and the Bible, we must conclude that the Jesus of Islam is fundamentally a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Quran, probably the greatest prophet after Prophet Muhammad, a sign from God, a spirit from God, a word from God, a doer of miracles, was no more than a human being and a messenger who came to reform Jewish religion, who came 
for a very specific mission to the people of Israel for a particular time and a particular place only, and prepared the way for the coming of the final prophet. That's the Quranic portrayal of Christ. The Jesus of the New Testament is God incarnate who came to reveal himself as Lord and Savior. And as Mark 10.45 says, he came to give his life as a ransom for many. We will turn to the Jesus of the New Testament in our next session. Thank you.